When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Lightning Round Podcast with your hosts, Garrett Sisti and Jamie Hoyle. Go Chargers, go! What's up, good people? Welcome to the Lightning Round Podcast. We are starting now, and we're going to be talking about the Office of Coordinator. So we dropped a podcast where Jamie and I went over the... We went over 10 different offensive coordinators. Kellen Moore was one of them. And then the very next morning, they hired Kellen Moore. So our podcast became obsolete, except for the first like 10 minutes. But we're here now to just talk about Kellen Moore. Uh, And feel free to bring your drinks. Joe Cruz has got a Modelo. I've got a Jack and Coke here. Jamie, what about you? Moscow Mule. I was going to say, it's got to be a Moscow Mule. It is. Is it cut water? It is. Yep. yep. It's the only way to go. <laughs> oh, well, okay. So uh, a lot of people have a lot of opinions on Kellen Moore, and we are going to uh, get into all that. We've got so many things we're going to cover here. We have, um, we're going to talk about, you know, Kellen Moore's philosophy. We'll go over his system. Um Maybe some things to give us little reservations about this hire. Uh, we'll talk about where the Chargers go from here after this uh, going forward. So we've got a ton of things to cover. So let's just dive right into it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us on this Thursday night. 
Uh, let's talk about the new Officer Coordinator, Kellen Moore. The resume, of course, is impressive. We talked about last week. He's had success in the NFL as an offensive coordinator, had the number one offense as the youngest OC in the league. In his tenure, the Cowboys have generally been top five in most offensive categories. In 2020 run, uh, 2021, Dallas led the league in scoring. They set a franchise record for points scored in a single season. Um, had a little bit of a hiccup in 2022 in terms of Dak Prescott's progression. Uh, he fell back a little bit. He led the NFL in interceptions. Um, had his lowest pass rating since 2017. But this very offseason, the Panthers, while interviewing Kellen Moore for their head coaching uh, opening, said Kellen Moore was the smartest guy in every room. Uh, they didn't end up hiring him, but uh, very high praise for a guy uh, in Kellen Moore. And so off the rip, I just want to tell everybody that with this move, we can get this out of the way. Kellen Moore, as an offensive coordinator, improves the Chargers for 2023. He is tears above <coughs> Joe Lombardi. This improves the Chargers offense with this move. Let's just get that out of the way right now before we get into everything else. So, Jamie, um, let's talk about Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator. We'll get into a system, some things to keep an eye on. But first, let's get into the system. Let's talk about Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. So Kellen Moore, as an offensive coordinator, has something Joe Lombardi did not have. Actually, he has a lot of things. I was just going to say. You only he has have a lot one. of things. <laughs> but the first thing you notice that he has that Joe Lombardi ha didn't have is a pulse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he has a pulse as a play caller. Okay. Yep. Uh, he also has a big set of balls, which I like, mm -hmm. and he's very he's very creative. So I'm gonna clip that, by the way. <laughs> he's got a big set of balls that I like. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. <laughs> Just isolated. I think that'll be a perfect little clip. But go ahead. Good soundbite for this episode. Walked right into that one. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> so I think if you look at the system that they run, <laughs> um, I'm going to regret that. Uh, <laughs> I think if you look at Kellen Moore's system, I think it's probably best described as a spread offense. Mm -hmm. uh, you see a lot of three and four wide receiver sets. You also see a lot of two and three tight end sets, which is something that we didn't see a lot of with the chargers. Um, more likes to spread the offense out, spread the defense out. He likes to make them cover pretty much every blade of glass, grass horizontally and vertically. Um, the running game is basically based in an outside zone run scheme. So, you know, you, you talk about Staley wanting to bring in somebody who was kind of of that, um, that Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, uh, ilk that, that system. And, that's kind of, that's basically how Kellen Moore runs the ball. They run the ball off tackle or off the end um, more often than not, um, primarily running the ball off the edges. Uh, and that leads to a very aggressive play action and bootleg game. You see a lot of naked bootlegs uh, for Dak Prescott where they use his legs to get him out of the pocket and make plays. You see some simplified reads, uh, half-field reads on those bootlegs, guys coming across the field from the backside of the play, um, and they they are very aggressive. Once they get the passing game going, 
that passing game is extremely aggressive, uh, aggressive in the deep and intermediate parts of the field. Uh, he, Kellen Moore really understands how to attack zone defenses. I think Dak didn't necessarily, I think Dak held him back quite a bit, but the more you watch this offense, um, I think you see that Kellen Moore is looking to get chunk plays out of the passing game. He's not looking for two and three and four yard completions. I mean, you know, he'll have those. There will be some stick variations at times, but he builds off of those mm-hmm. and he uses them to set up big plays down the field. Um, so, and he uses the tight ends beautifully. Uh, he gets his wide receivers open in space. You see a lot of catch and run opportunities. You're not seeing the stop your feet, turn your back and catch the ball and have to start up start your feet again. Like we saw with so much with, with Joe Lombardi, uh, he's looking to get his athletes in space to make plays and continue running with the ball after the catch. They're looking to create chunk plays in the running game and in the passing game. And um, there isn't, I think there are a few areas where he can, he can improve there. There's some hints of some creativity with things like pre-snap motion formations Um rub routes, picks, misdirection. It's not heavy in what he does. And I think that's mainly influenced by the antiquated system that, that he was fighting with, with his head coach Mm -hmm. and Mike McCarthy. Uh, But you can definitely see where he's extremely creative with that stuff in spots. It doesn't show up all the time, but it's definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pre-snap motion. I mean, just what you're talking about here is, um, uh, it's something that uh, you saw in spurts and something that's absolutely awesome because what just while watching, cause I, I went back and started from where he was the OC to the current. So the last uh, three, four seasons here, uh, just seeing how he's built as an offensive coordinator and how he's developed, but seeing a lot of those pre-snap motions was really important for Dak and a couple reasons, because I think we're going to talk about maybe some of his shortcomings and maybe some issues that Dak had that Kellen Moore was, not only fighting with McCarthy about, but also having, you know, the shortcomings of Dak and having to kind of overcome some of that. But um, the pre-snap motion was really important for Dak. It helped the defense show their cards, whether they're in man and zone, and they used a lot of motion to gain leverage. Uh, I saw a lot of trade. Uh, A trade is when a player is on the line of scrimmage and then they move from one end to the other pre-snap. I saw a lot of trade in that pre-snap motion. I saw a lot of shift into bunches, saw a lot of three-by-one. I uh, saw some spread sets to tight end sets. There's a lot of creativity there. But so with all that pre-snap motion, it allowed the offense to kind of gain leverage on the perimeter. Uh, the offense adds numbers as an advantage on the side. And then also he gets those mismatches with his offense. Uh, Moore's <coughs> offense basically ranked top half in the league in motion and also play action. The play action is one of those staples in Moore's uh, offense. The Cowboys could run the ball and they force the issue with play action to get teams on their heels rather on their toes. And then uh, Dak, you know, his stats went absolutely through the roof when Moore uh, implemented that more play action. Dak went uh, from, you know, bottom half to 12th, 6th, and 5th in passer rating in the last three seasons. So he's progressed every single year. Uh, essentially, like Jamie mentioned, uh, this is a spread offense. You're going to see a lot of verts. And early on as offensive coordinator, we saw Kellen Moore had a very heavy feature of RPO with Prescott. Um, I don't think we're going to see a lot of RPO with Herbert, 
but I do think we're going to see Herbert using his legs a lot more, especially more than we saw with uh, Lombardi. And we're definitely going to be seeing it in the red zone, which is something I know you want to talk about, Jamie. We'll probably get to in a little bit. Um, also, uh, this mid to deep level of the passing game is going to improve in 2023. I think that's a, a given. Um, he is very, very good in that middle to deep half of the field with those high-low concepts. A uh, good portion of his playbook is getting guys free on the boundary, and he loves attacking linebackers and safeties, especially center field safeties. If you're playing deep middle, get ready to run because yep. he's going he's gonna to make you run, he's going to spread them out, and he's going to attack them deep. Yeah, so that was something that really stood out to me. He attacks too high and deep middle mm -hmm. equally but he really likes to attack that deep middle. So if you're playing cover one, if you're playing cover three, uh, look out because he's going to get the ball between the linebackers and the safeties. He's going to run wheel routes. He's going to run digs. He's going to run dig sits. He's going to run um, four verts. You're going to see posts in the middle of the field uh, and they're going to get guys open and they're going to make that safety run from sideline to sideline. If you are, stupid enough to play cover three or cover one against him. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen all the time. Yep. And it's, it's like a mandate. You watch the way they, they call plays against cover one and co or cover one and cover three in particular. As soon as they see that single high safety, you know, somebody's going deep and it doesn't matter if it's 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 13 personnel, three wide receiver, four wide receiver. It doesn't matter. Somebody's going deep. If not multiple guys. And like Garrett said, they're running high-low concepts. You've got shallow crossing routes or shallow drags to to draw the linebackers' eyes down and have them maybe not get the depth they want on their drops. And then you've got a dig and a post or a dig and a clear out or something, a wheel route, something to get somebody out on the perimeter or in the middle of the field and create not just a play, a big play, a big catch, but like I said earlier yards after catch guys catch the ball in space all the time. And it doesn't matter if it's tight ends, wide receivers, running backs. These guys are catching the ball with their momentum going downfield in the open field with a chance to make plays. And it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, two things I want to um, touch on here that uh, really became parent over the years and something that, um, that I I'm, I'm a big fan of, but, and I think something that you were kind of alluding to, um, with how aggressive Kellamore is. But uh, the first thing is Kellamore likes to throw the ball on early downs. Uh, Moore ranks about 15th in the league when uh, plays called on first down. The Chargers actually ranked higher, which was surprising to me when looking it up because it just felt like Lombardi ran the ball on first down a lot. But the important thing is Dallas was sixth in the league in first down uh, success rate, throwing the ball at 46%. That was really good when you're not throwing the ball as much as the Chargers, who were 12th. So not only did the Chargers throw it a lot, they weren't as successful. So that's the Lombardi special there. Uh, so it's not just about Kellen Moore. You know, even when you think about Dallas and the rushing attack, you think they'd you know rush it on first down, and some people might not even blame you. But Kellen Moore didn't just depend on the run. He threw the ball early on early downs, and he was very successful at it. Uh, he was top six, obviously. The other thing, and this is the aggressiveness you're talking about, is he is very, very aggressive, and he seems to almost be more aggressive when he's got a lead. When oh, Dallas yeah. is up, you'd think, and again, Dallas has got the run game. You'd think they would chew up clock with a lead, 
And they did to success at some point, but more would push it downfield a lot. When the Cowboys were up, he's an aggressive and very opportunistic play caller with a lead. And, um, I th- there's some things we'll talk about maybe when he's doesn't have a lead and he's behind, but when he's got a lead, this is a man who loves to step on the gas. And this is not a guy that's going to let up and just chew through a lead that 27 lead that the chargers had, you would not have seen them sit back on their heels like they did with Lombardi in that playoff game against Jacksonville. That would not have happened with Kyle Morris. OC. he is absolutely going for the kill shot when they have a lead. Not only would they not have blown that lead, but the Chargers probably score 40, 45 points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, they're, they're going for it. Absolutely. Because they're, I mean, Dallas is generally speaking over the course of, of um, Moore's tenure there. Dallas was typically very efficient in the red zone, but this year their red zone efficiency efficiency shot through the roof. And we're going to talk about why here in a minute, Yeah, but they went from 63% red zone touchdown scoring percentage last year to 71% this year, 71 and a half. I know. I saw that too. And nobody last year had anywhere over 66%. That's how red hot. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. And the, and we're going to talk about why here in a few minutes, or we can get into it now if you want to, but the things that they do Mm -hmm. with formations and motions and basically forcing defenses to cover everybody on the field, the quarterback included at all times, um, makes them almost impossible to defend in the red zone. Even with as tight quarters as, as you get, mm-hmm. they're playing fast. That's the other thing is this offense plays fast. They were in no huddle 13% of the time. I think all four years, Kellen Moore was calling plays for, for, for Dallas. So they're, they're constantly in no huddle. They run almost two plays per minute where the chargers are running like a minute, a uh, play to a play and a half per minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dallas is running almost two plays per minute. I think, this year they ran 1.85 plays per minute. So they're not, we're not in this, this pattern of, okay, we're going to get lined up with 25 seconds left and we're going to take the next 23 seconds Mm -hmm. to get everybody lined up and call the play. They're on the line of scrimmage and they're running the play. Yep. And it's like clockwork. Um, So I think, one of the two big areas where Kellen Moore is going to help the chargers is in the red zone and on third down. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned a couple of things that I, that I wanted to hit on. So I'm glad you brought him up. You kind of teed me up for it. One was All right. how aggressive he is on first down. But what I also like is how aggressive he is on second down after a run, whether they've gained big yards or not. And especially after they've been stopped for a short game on first down. If they run the ball or they run, you know, a, a wide receiver screen or something, you know, a little dink and dunk play that gets stopped on first down and they get maybe two or three yards, more often than not, that next play is a seven to fifteen yard play in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. They're looking yeah. to pick up that second down. This is not a situation where with Lomb- like with Lombardi, where they're looking to set up third and manageable. It was like the goal was to get in third down with Lombardi. More is whole philosophy here is get the ball, score the ball. They run a lot of plays, they play fast and they score points and they're looking to pick up chunks. And like Garrett said earlier, they're looking to keep the defense on their field on, on their heels. Mm -hmm. Um, They don't, the running game is kind of up and down. I think that has a lot to do with Zeke kind of being near the end of the line and them not using Pollard to his full ability. Yep. Um, 
but you see Zeke and Pollard on the field together all the time. Mm-hmm. I would expect to see a lot of uh, Eckler and Kelly and Eckler and Spiller, maybe even Kelly and Spiller on the field together next next season quite a bit. Maybe Eckler um, and Bijan Robinson. Uh, I hope not. I hope they don't <laughs> put the back in the first round. Don't do that to me, Garrett. Don't do that to me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, th- this offense is not going to be looking to gain three or four yards of play. It's just not how it operates. Nope. If they get three yards on first down, they're looking to pick up a chunk on second down and keep the chains mm-hmm. moving. They're not looking to run three plays for every first down. Get 10 it's yards, just not yeah. how they operate. Mm-hmm. Which is um, what the last regime did. Three plays to yeah. get 10 yards. Three plays to get 10 yards. Oh, let's set up third and two. Let's mm-hmm. set up third and three. No, yeah. that's not how this offense works. No, it's not the goal at all. And like I said, they're going to, you're going to see some stick concepts with this offense, but it's not everybody running stick and everybody surrounded by six defenders within five yards of each other. That's not how this offense runs either. The spacing no. is better. The route distribution is better. The play designs are better. Everything is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, a- absolutely. And so, yeah, the red zone's going to get better. Third down's going to get better. It really is about like even if it's three yards on first down, it's like twenty three on second down. It's not three three six. Let's get third and one. It's a it's a very let's go downfield. They've got a very nice. I love the high low concepts. And um, one other thing before uh, uh, the red zone is I absolutely love Moore's ability to scheme guys open. Um, he's got a system in which he likes to get his receivers, tight ends, running backs in ISO. He loves to get them one-on-one matchups. And uh, CD Lamb had his best season this season because Moore found more ways to get him on an island by getting him moving pre-snap a lot. It really set these defenders in a blender, having Lamb moving pre-snap, having him going to different sides of the line, even – uh, on the snap, he's already moving, and you've got him open for a wheel route. They really uh, work their ways to get them a wide open one on one because, quite honestly, Dak needed it. He was not good in zone. Uh, he's better in man. I'm going to ignore this comment until you take it off. Um, the, I was uh, just going to correct Jason and say, "Hell no, he's not." Does not have the stamp of approval. Nope, that was a joke. And that was uh, a joke. I know. I know he's he was joking, trying to piss too. me off. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but, um, you you absolutely have to love the way in which Moore knows that he's got playmakers and he wants to get them one-on-one. He wants to get them on an island and he knows how to scheme them open. And this is an absolutely beautiful thing. He knows uh, even when the weapons change and the quarterbacks changed, he knew how to get the most out of what he had on the offense. And he did that uh, pretty well throughout his whole tenure there. But um, uh, in, in terms of the red zone, we talked about, it. I mean, the fact that they were almost 75%, that they scored almost three out of four times in the red zone j- is absolutely wild when you think about the quarterback they had. But what Moore does in the tw- uh, inside the 20s is he leans on RPOs and a lot of play action. There just isn't a sit-back pocket passer in the side of the 20s. Everybody's free to make a move and everybody's free to uh, be a receiver. And it seems like, you know, w- there's a lot of, cute clips of him uh, lining uh, offensive linemen out wide and all that. And that's great. But 
you know, it's the, it's the fact that he's got a quarterback, which Justin Herbert does too, is a threat to run in the red zone. He's whether it's a design run or not, he's just another, another element in the red zone. Another guy you got to keep an eye on. And hopefully they'll do that with Herbert too. making Herbert more of a runner, like in 2020, that's going to make him a lot more effective. Another guy you got to count for, especially in the red zone in and out. I know, uh, he's going to get him moving. We're going to talk about personnel in a little bit and what he asks of these position groups, but Quite honestly, the the whole red zone offense is it was just stale with Lombardi. This is a much more creative offensive coordinator, and they're going to be much better in the red zone. Yeah, the red zone is going to be the best part. I think red zone and third down, but especially red zone. Um, so I mentioned it earlier, but I'll hit on it a little bit more now. Um, the big thing that they really do is they force the defense to cover everybody on the field: wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, and quarterback. Sometimes um, offensive linemen. <laughs> sometimes offensive linemen. <laughs> You'll see extra linemen, extra offensive linemen come in as the fullback. Mm-hmm. You'll see two tight end sets. You'll see three tight end sets. You'll see um, Pollard lined up out wider in the slot, motion across the motion across the defense. He does a great job of creating numbers in the red zone. Uh, there are a couple plays that I love. There was one against the Bucks in the in the wild card round where I think they were on like the three yard line and they had a, a jumbo formation. I think it was a three tight end set and there were two tight, two tight ends set up on the left-hand side of the line. And um, they brought Pollard across, which brought a corner across and it left Dak one-on-one with an edge player. And Dalton Schultz was on that side of the line of scrimmage and Schultz fake like he was going to chip and just rolled out into the end zone and Dak came out on a bootleg and just beat the edge player to the, to the end zone. And it was just, as soon as Pollard came across, they knew it was man coverage and the corner followed him across. Dak knew exactly what he was doing with the ball. He had numbers. It was him on an edge player in open space to the, to the field side, the wide side of the field. And it was beautiful. Um, worked perfectly. And there was another one. I forget who was it against who it was against, but it's been all over Twitter all week long another red zone play where I think it was another three tight end set and they had Pollard motion left to right. Um, they, I believe it was, uh, they, they ran a play fake to Pollard as he came across on the jet sweep. They, they faked a pass to the middle of the field and then threw a little swing pass to Pollard on the outside. They had all kind. they had misdirection on the line showing a counter play on a play fake to, to Zeke. Um, Pulled the whole defense to the left side, threw it back to the right to Pollard. He was wide open for the touchdown. Nobody had a chance to make the play. I mean, they just do a brilliant job of using space to their advantage. He creates numbers, like I said, uh, creates easy reads for the quarterback, whether he's going to throw it or run it. There was a ton of speed options, RPO, design naked bootlegs, all kinds of things to get Dak involved with his legs in the red zone. And it just shot their efficiency in the red zone through the roof. Mm-hmm. So all these things are really going to help the chargers. Um, I, I wouldn't expect to see Herbert run the ball like Josh Allen does where he's running the ball 10 to 15 times a game. But I think if you can find a way to get him out on the edge of the defense, whether it's a speed option or an RPO or a naked bootleg or whatever it might be, um, five to seven times a game in the red zone. Uh, I think you'll see their efficiency just go sky high um, in the red zone. And this offense will not struggle to score points in tight quarters anymore. I, I just, I, 
I can't see how that's even a possibility with the way more calls plays in the red zone. Yeah. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about personnel and kind of what, uh, more asks of his uh, offensive players in his system. So something uh, that we've we've already touched on, but uh, something that's going to obviously benefit Justin Herbert is moving off platform. Under Lombardi, Herbert was basically a pocket passer. This past season, he was Oregon Herbert, as we were talking about on the podcast during the season, but uh, and behind a subpar line to boot. But Kellen Moore liked Dak moving, uh, throwing off platform. Uh, Jamie mentioned like the bootleg. Uh, he's got some design rollouts, um, and he's going to have him throwing on the move multiple times a game, not only to give the defense just another look, but also, you know, it helped Dak to get out, uh, make something happen. He's a threat to run it if he needs to. It also gives his receivers time to get open. It really, it really benefited Dak, and this is obviously where Herbert shines. He's one of the best uh, passers outside the pocket, and when you get him moving, it's going to be a very, very good thing for Herbert. Uh, more in terms of running backs, uh, he had that two-headed monster in Dallas, not only setting a pace in the run game, but getting them heavily involved in the passing game. Like Jamie mentioned, that's obviously going to uh, help out Austin Eckler, Joshua Kelly, maybe even Spiller as well. And then uh, one of my favorite parts of his offense is what he does with the tight ends. I just absolutely love his two, three tight end sets. Um, but what's most important and what seems to be his kind of the tight end in his mold in the system is they're dual threats. Dalton Schultz, Blake Jarwin, saw some Jake Ferguson, and also uh, Peyton Hendershot this past season uh, in some limited work. But they can all block, and they're all a threat to uh, catch the ball. Uh, he'll often have tight ends engage early on, leak out for a design pass. Uh, he's got a specific tool set that he's looking for out of that group. Yeah, for sure. you got to be able to block, and you got to be able to catch the ball, mm -hmm. no doubt. And I think – the other part of that is you have to be a good athlete. You got to be able to run after the catch mm -hmm. with the ball. Yep. Um, so I think the first thing that we'll see, I, I really think the Chargers are going to start reinventing their tight end room. Um, I think they have to to run this offense. Uh, I would expect Gerald Everett to be back just because he he showed himself to be a valuable part of the offense this year. Um, but I think they're going to be looking for an ultra athletic tight end who can get down the field. Um, mm -hmm. that was one thing that really stood out about the tight end group. They found ways to get the ball down the field to Ferguson and to Schultz, especially, mm -hmm. uh, they love their seam routes with the tight ends. They love their seam routes. They love their wheel routes. Um, they like to find one-on-one -on -one matchups with the linebackers and push them down the field. Uh, and right now the Chargers don't really have a lot of reliable options at tight end. Mm -hmm. Um, I think McKitty is an easy guy to get rid of. I know people keep waiting for Parham to figure things out. I just don't think you can count on Parham to be healthy. He's so big and he's such a big target. It's hard for him to avoid big hits. He just hasn't been healthy and he's what three years in now. And he really hasn't solidified himself in a particular role in this offense. So could they find a way to make him a valuable part of the offense? Possibly, but I don't think you can wait for him. So I think in a tight end early, Hopefully not first round, hopefully second round, mm -hmm. uh, makes a lot of sense for them. Uh, I, I see people talking about Michael Mayer. I haven't watched him on film yet. Um, I've read some kind of unflattering things about him. I think he's a little overrated based on what I've read. Um, we've been talking a lot about Darnell Washington in our, in our, um, discord, in our discord mm -hmm. a lot. 
Um, I've seen bits and pieces of Kincaid, who looks like he could be fun. Um, I think there are guys you can get in the second round um, who probably give you more value as a blocker and as a downfield threat um, and intermediate threat than Michael Mayer would. Mm -hmm. So I, I think athleticism is paramount in this offense. They need to get faster. We heard Kellen Moore talk about it in his in his introductory press conference. He talked about how speed kills and how speed mm -hmm. is valuable. It sounds like they're going to put an emphasis on speed this year. So um, not sure Mayer fits that bill, but for sure a guy like Darnell Washington would be a huge fit for this yeah. offense, both as a blocker because – from what I've seen, that guy freaking kills people as a blocker. He digs graves on a play-by-play -play basis. Mm -hmm. And I think he's just beginning to scratch the surface as a wide receiver. Yeah. So that as, as a receiving tight end, excuse me. Right. So this kind of leaks into maybe some reservations we might have. Um, you know, I think, and we can get into that now. I, I think there's probably explanations for a lot of these. It's still some of these things gave me pause after this uh hiring, but you know, not that any of it really, it could all be solved pretty easily uh, as soon as the season starts and they can uh, get into it during the off season. But this is what you're touching on here was uh, one thing that gave me, was a little bit of a concern only because I don't think the chargers today really have the personnel to run this spread offense in which Kellen Moore wants to uh, every year. Uh, the Cowboys had a speed guy. It was Cedric Wilson, Cavante Turpin. Uh, they added some vets like Tavon Austin when um, when they had injuries just to kind of show some speed on the field. They even did it with Randall Cobb. They they wanted to show speed on the field at all times. You had to account for the speed guys. And then on top of that, you add like CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup who can help get open downfield. But there's always a speed guy on the field. They just don't have that. Speed was a very important cog to Kellen Moore's offense. The Chargers currently don't have that on the roster. And then like Jamie's talking about, these tight ends, I mean, he asked them to block a lot. You have to be a excellent blocker, and you have to be able to catch the ball and get yards after the catch. Gerald Everett, uh, we've seen he can get yards after the catch at times. Donald Parham's been a question mark uh, so far in his career. But Gerald Everett isn't really an extraordinary blocker. He's a, he's an okay blocker, and he's there's been some highlight real blocks that he's made last season, but he isn't an extraordinary blocker. And Trey McKitty is not much of a receiver and he's kind of or a blocker. blocker. Exactly. <laughs> so, so they, obviously the chargers can go in this off season and fix both those issues. But today, when you look at the roster, they just don't have that personnel that Kellen Moore uh, wants. And they're going to have to get him those weapons. They're going to have to get some speed. They're going to have to get that tight end. Yeah, for sure. And here's a good question here that I think we can address. Mm -hmm. How's Parm a big target who can't afford big hits, who can't avoid big hits, but Washington isn't? Have you watched Darnell Washington? I've watched uh, a single game of Darnell Washington, and they seem to play completely different. Tar uh, Washington seems to play like he is a offensive lineman. He runs into contact in the one game I watched. Uh, he is not a guy that's afraid to take a hit, and Parham – is yeah does not play the same i've i mean i i wouldn't say i mean he plays like an offensive lineman as a blocker he's not afraid to take a big hit washington but i would say that he is such an athletic freak at a for a guy his size i see him make people miss all the time i see him leap over people he's very good at generating yards after catch um i think and i also think he's a little more thickly built than parham parham is tall and kind of 
lanky and Washington is just a monster. So different builds, different athletic profiles for sure. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay. Um, so another thing that uh, I'll just throw out there that um, was a little bit of a concern for me watching uh, Kellamore throughout his career. Uh, a lot of regression to this Dallas offense came with some predictability and play calling, in my opinion. And uh, it came with leaning on the run game a lot. Not just so much the pass run splits, but the timing of those run plays. Now, some of that predictability throughout his tenure came with injuries. Some of it came with Dak's uh, limitations. And the Cowboys lean on the run game because obviously both Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy wanted to run the ball more. In fact, I don't know if you saw that thing I posted in Discord, but McCarthy said he wanted to run the ball at least 30 times next season. He just, I mean, it's like they have to hit a quota. And so uh, the issue was, you know, and maybe that's not, Moore's fault, but I'm just saying as a whole in this Dallas offense, again, these could all be issues that are non-issues once Kellen Moore gets his whole stamp on his offense the way he wants to run it because like we've all read, McCarthy and Moore didn't see eye to eye, but it just seems like they ran for a quota and they ran for effect and that that, that just to me and did not run for effect, that's just to me was a, a pretty big issue with this offense watching Moore. Yeah, I think, you know, reading up on more and reading up on some of the things he went through in Dallas, it sounded like he was getting mandates um, mm -hmm. from McCarthy and more so from the Jones family to run the yep. ball and feed Zeke as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I do like, you know, sometimes the timing wasn't great. Sometimes the design wasn't great. I, I have some concerns about the outside zone running scheme. We talked about it a lot this season. I think this offensive line is really built for power runs. Um, and for those who don't know, power run is getting a double team up front and pulling somebody from the opposite side of the line for a kickout block or a seal block. Um, I think that's the chargers strength. I'm not sure that I totally buy into their philosophy of copying what McVeigh and Shanahan do. Uh, I, I just, I'm not convinced it fits their personnel. Uh, but maybe if they change how they teach it and how they run it, and they fix the personnel a little bit, particularly with the tight end group. Maybe that'll help a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, but they are more balanced. You know, the Chargers, I think the Chargers passed the ball something like 66% of the time this year. Um, the the Cowboys, I believe, I want to say the Cowboys ran the, or passed the ball 54% of the time, something along those lines. So uh, a 
big differential in terms of how often they ran the ball and that balance helps and they stick to the run, which I think is something that got the chargers in trouble. They would bail on it early in the game, whether it was working or not. Um, so yeah, I think there are things that can be addressed about the run game. I think part of it is personnel. Part of it's how they teach it. Not totally bought into their, like I said, their philosophy of this, the outside zone, just because it works for the Rams and 49ers does not mean it's going to work for the chargers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see how they teach it. We'll see how they dress it up. Maybe it'll, maybe it'll work better. And I think, you know, as much as we all love Austin Eckler, I think there is a change coming at running back here in the near future. I think Eckler's entering the last year of his deal probably will not get an extension. So I would imagine that we're looking at if assuming they don't draft another running back, which <laughs> God just shoot me now if they draft run, run <laughs> four years in a row. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more of Kelly and Spiller, particularly Spiller this year. And maybe Spiller and Kelly are better suited to this outside zone scheme than, than Eckler is. And maybe that'll help too. Yeah. So uh, we, uh, I had mentioned it on the last one, uh, you mentioned a little bit of zone uh, this uh, early on in the show, but um, just going back and watching some of the playoff games, I thought he, he had a really good script against the bucks. I just think um, I guess the 49ers, it kind of showed up during that season that once teams ran zone, uh, Dak had his issues. Uh, the offense struggled and, um, it didn't early on, but this, this season Dak had his issues and look, maybe that's, uh, Dak. I mean, he's, he's much more effective when they run man where they're his wide receivers can get open and then he can hit him usually a second or two too late, but he hits them sometimes. Um, so I, I don't know if that's a Dak issue or if it's, Kellen Moore struggling to have a play call against zone. I, I think it's probably more Dak than it is more, but it's just something, you know, that I'm going to be keeping an eye on when the season starts is, is zone going to be kind of a Kellen Moore kryptonite. I, I don't know because he had success with it early on. He didn't this past season. That's, that's to be determined. And this is all to be determined. I'm not <coughs> sure any of this is going to be an issue. If it was a quarterback issue, if it was a being micromanaged in Dallas issue, but um, another thing to me, I mean, it just seemed like dur- that again, back to that 49er game, the play design of play selection came, became kind of stale in that late night game and kind of predictable on those got to have it downs. Um, you know, he obviously that's one of the best defenses in the NFL. Sometimes you just get out coached and you lose, but they dared Dak to beat him. They sat guys uh, in the middle of the field and just said, try to get it over our heads and you're not going to. And Dak only had 10 passes that were over 10 yards, even with the 49ers sitting on everything in the middle of the field. I, whether that's Dak again or more, that's just to me, I, you know, I think there's a, there's an argument to be made that Dak, that, Kellen Moore couldn't have got the most out of this Cowboy offense with the quarterback he had. I think that's a valid argument. I think a lot of people are like, can you believe he got so much out of Cooper Rush and he was able to make Dak Prescott look like a top 10 quarterback? That's absolutely impressive. That when you watch more Cowboy games, which I, you know, I only watched when they played the Chargers, but when you watch more Cowboy games, Dak Prescott is a middle of the road, not great quarterback. And he had his issues this season. And you saw some of the worst of him uh, this past season. And so I don't, I don't want to lay everything at Moore's feet, but I think there is something to be watched going into 2023 in terms of some of those issues he had, because it felt like some good defenses figured out the Cowboys and Dak, 
but you know, I also Mike McCarthy's a madman and uh, he thinks he could do it all himself. More might not be the problem is what I'm saying. It might be some of the other underlying issues, but all that remains to be seen and just something that we need to, we need to keep an eye on going into the season. Yeah, I think, um, uh, so one of the things that I did, so when I watch games, I think I watched six games and I started out watching the week one game against Tampa Bay. And I saw some of the things you're talking about with zone defense where it seemed like they saw a lot of cover six and a lot of cover five. And they basically set a picket fence in the middle of the field at about the five yard mark and squeezed the windows and made it really difficult for Dak to complete passes. And there were a lot of throws, a lot of passes made to into windows that weren't there. There were guys jumping routes. I think he threw two picks in that game and he probably should have thrown like four or five. There were several (laughs) drop picks in that game. It was really bad. And I was a little concerned, but then I watched the playoff game against the bucks Mm -hmm. and the bucks ran a very similar defensive scheme in the playoffs as they did uh, in, in week one of the season. And I thought there were some nice adjustments. They handled the zone defense much better, much more effectively in the wild card round than they did in week one. Uh, you saw more intermediate passes. They weren't trying to force shallow passes underneath to CD Lamb and to uh, Schultz in tight coverage. Um, also, I think week one, they were without Michael Gallup, if I'm not mistaken, when they had him in the playoffs, and that helped quite a bit as well. So I think he's shown the ability to adjust. I don't necessarily think that zone defense is a Kellen Moore kryptonite. I think it's really more of a Dak Prescott kryptonite. Mm-hmm. And I think it boiled down in a lot of cases to, excuse me. I think in a lot of cases it boiled down to um, Zach's pre-snap or Zach Dak's yeah. pre-snap reads, mm-hmm. and him really struggling to find figure out where to throw the ball if things were not what he thought they were pre-snap. Yeah, and I will say to your point, Cooper Rush picked apart zone, so yep. so maybe it's more of a Dak issue than it is a. Uh, Kellen Moore. It's just something it's something I noticed and something I'd keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a fair point that they did have some issues with zone, particularly early in the season, but I think things picked up a little bit later in the season, particularly in the playoffs. Um, and, you know, we talked a lot about getting how they got Dak and Cooper Rush outside the pocket and moving the platform um, quite a bit. And I think there are some things they can do to help in terms of getting them out of the pocket, simplifying reads, you know, reducing their reads to half the field instead of the whole field, having them throw on the move and creating bigger windows. Um, and I also think there are things that they can do against man and zone to help out more. Um, this is a, I think this is an offense that kind of lacks a lot of the, you know, modern concepts of rub routes and picks. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't always, they don't use a whole lot of condensed formations. You'll see some bunch formations, not a whole lot. You'll see some some stack formations sprinkled in. Not a whole lot, but they're there a few times a game. But mostly it's three or four wide receivers on one side, maybe three on one, one on the other. Um, it's pretty straightforward. Like you mentioned, the, the formations can get a little stale. They don't really use space or create congestion or confusion to their advantage the way they could in a lot of cases. So I think there are some things. And I, again, I don't know if this is more. I don't know if this is uh, Mike McCarthy. It seems like this might be more of a McCarthy issue just based on how long he's been around and and how he's always run his offenses. Um, but I think that they can do more with the pre-step motion, with those condensed formations, 
to create some confusion, create some congestion and, and help guys get open a little bit more. I think that's one area where he, it shows up a little bit, but it's not super frequent. And, um, I think they could really help themselves with, with more of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's, I mean, unless you got any other reservations or anything else you wanted to touch on there, I think we should see, talk about what we do going forward. No, I think that's pretty much it for the reservations yeah. outside of just lacking the speed to run. I think what they want to run. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which we mentioned. Yeah. Needing to dress up the offensive line a little bit. Oh, definitely. Because there oh. are, yeah. Cause if they want to attack that mid deep field, they're going to have to give Herbert some time. And if they don't have a offensive line to give him time, it's not going to work. Yeah. And I think the other thing too, is um, there that, you know, they do have some pre-snap motion. They do have some post-snap motion. Um, I think, there are opportunities to add some window dressing, um, some eye candy, so to speak, to give people things to look at, maybe stop their feet, get them, get their eyes stuck in the backfield and create some opportunities down the field as well. Yeah. All right. So moving forward here to me, the, the thing that makes this move even better than what it is today is Brandon Staley has got to give Kellen Moore the keys to this offense. We uh, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Moore and McCarthy did not see eye to eye on their offensive philosophies. It was a big reason why they let him go. Uh, McCarthy didn't quite believe in Moore's system. And he said, and and McCarthy, whether you believe it or not, said, if Kellen Moore is going to grow, he's not going to do it here because I want to run it my way. And Moore's not going to run it my way. So he was obviously held back in Dallas. This is where you got to let him loose. If you really want to see more evolve and grow as a play caller, you have got to give him full control of the offense and let him run it his way. All the reservations we may have can be answered if Kellen Moore can do his thing his way. The other thing the Cowboys brass said is Moore was good, but wasn't good enough. So basically, if he's being held back and micromanaged in Dallas, give him a chance to be great here. That is absolutely number one. If you don't, if you micromanage him and you start to put your hands in it, fortunately, Brandon Staley's a defensive-minded coach. He shouldn't be in there. But if he's starting to meddle with play calling and starting to hold him back a little bit and starting to talk to more about how he wants to mold the offense, forget about it. Worry about your side of the ball. Let Kellen Moore do his thing, in my opinion. I don't know if you agree with this too, uh, Jamie, but Kellen Moore to me is pr a pretty good coordinator. I know a lot of people think he's elite and, and want to give me all his ADOT numbers and everything else, but I think he's got a potential because he's only 33, I believe. I think he's got the potential once he's out of Dallas and the way they want to put their hands in everything to be better as an offensive coordinator here than he could have been in Dallas. Not just because of the personnel and having Justin Herbert compared to Dak Prescott, but to me, if you let him run, because when you saw Kellen Moore attack the field when they're up by like 24 still and late in the fourth quarter that to me screams Kellen Moore the running a running play on third and eight and only getting five yards that to me feels like Jerry Jones needs his Zeke carry so I got to get out of the way now you know type of deal so to me right now going forward after they had their press conference and everything it's Kellen Moore here's the playbook you run it you do your thing. We'll help facilitate your offense and the draft and free agency and everything else you need, but give him the tools and give him the keys. 
Yeah. And I think that's the plan. I really do. Um, yeah, I do too. I, I think a, a big reason why Lombardi is gone aside from the offensive struggles is that Staley had to get involved in the offense. They, they had to repeat and remind Lombardi what they wanted out of the offense. Um, and I think they're moving towards a more compartmentalized system. You know, you've got Ficken, he's got the special teams handled. You don't need to mess with special teams. Now you've got more coming in, get them some pieces in, in the off season, whether it's draft or free agency or whatever, let him do his thing, stay out of his way. And Staley and Hill can focus on the defense. Mm-hmm. I think that's the plan. Yeah. Um, I don't think Staley wants to be involved in the offense. He should. I, there were times this past season where he seemed super frustrated about things that were going on and that he had to be having these conversations with Lombardi. Um, and and I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. It seems like there's a relationship there. There's a trust there that they built up over the last year. And I think Staley's going to be inclined to just say, you do your thing. We're going to do our thing on defense. Ficken, you do your thing on special teams. Mm-hmm. We'll bring it all together. Let's go win some games. And yeah. I, I think that's the plan. And it should be. That's that's exactly how it should work. And I, I, I hope that's the way it goes. So out, outside of that now, um, they got to find a QB coach and a running game coordinator. And I they have got to get one of these up-and-coming, bright-minded QB coaches that we kind of covered last week. Um, if it's Bobby Slowick, if it's Luke Stuckel, which I know Jamie would be a huge fan of, Thomas Brown, Jared Johnson, some of these young guys – Give them a promotion, bring them up in this system, let them learn from Kellen Moore because we'll probably, I think this is probably the time we need to get into it. But this hire uh, is a guy who's been getting head coaching interviews the last two to three seasons. So I think if this offense starts to take off, it's going to increase his chances of not only leaving, which means you've only got an offensive coordinator for one season. But also, if this offense does well and there's another season-ending disappointment in the playoffs, Spanos might just fire Staley and promote Kellen Moore right within, and you've got a new head coach. I I, I don't know how I feel about that right now. I don't know how uh, Kellen Moore is going to be without a full playbook to his desire, but that kind of feels like what this move could be. I think it is, um, but I think – I think Kellen Moore is going to work for the Chargers. And if Kellen Moore works for the Chargers, then they're not going to fire Brandon Staley because I think they're going to put up enough points and Staley is going to continue to tweak the defense enough that I don't think it's going to be an issue. I think the only way that Staley is gone is if the defense completely collapses. But I do agree with you. If something goes wrong, if the defense collapses, if they've got, if they're, you know, whatever four and eight after 12 games, or they're really struggling at the bye week. It would not surprise me at all. If Moore is promoted to head coach, I think, I think it's going to work, but if not really good chance that, that Moore gets promoted. Uh, It just, I think that's part of the reason why Staley's still here is they didn't have anybody to replace him with mid season. I think if they had had somebody other than, you know, Lombardi to replace him with, and they were already concerned with Lombardi, they might have been having the conversation about not bringing Staley back for the rest of the season at some point last year. But they didn't because they didn't have any, anyone to replace him with. And now they have a viable replacement. Yep. So I, I, it seems like it's a succession plan, but I have a feeling this is all going to work out 
and things are going to be much better next year just because I, I believe that Moore is going to change the offense. Yeah. I mean, if, if he's going to run it his way, it's going to be completely different than what we saw. And like I said at the beginning, no matter what we said, even our reservations or concerns or any issues we thought we had, this is as soon as he, he was announced was tears better than what the chargers have had the last two seasons. So this is an improvement to the offense. And I don't, I don't know that he's the guy to unlock Justin Herbert. Like we had hoped, but I mean, this is, this is a win for the chargers. This is an absolute upgrade. And um, I'm excited to see what Kellen Moore's offense looks like with no holds barred, you know, without having him being held back at all, this could really be a really, really good offensive coordinator. And, you know, we'll see if he can last more than a season if he's going to be that good. I mean, yeah, if if everything works the way they think it will and the way we all hope it will, then more might be gone after this season. Yeah, he's going to be a head coach. If they win a couple playoff games and he mm-hmm. he fixes Justin Herbert mm-hmm. and removes the stink of Joe Lombardi, <laughs> then, um, then he's gone. I mean, he's yeah. going to be taking a head coach job somewhere. I, I kind of wonder why if Kellen Moore was the smartest person in every room while he was interviewing with the Panthers, I kind of wonder why he didn't get that job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of a- wonder what their hiring practices are like. I know exactly. Um, but you know, you mentioned hiring some of these, some of these other guys that they interviewed for, for offensive mm-hmm. coordinator as a run game coordinator or as a quarterback mm-hmm. coach, who would you bring in as a quarterback coach or a running game coordinator? Uh, I would bring Luke Stuckle in as QB coach. That would just as- be a, a lot of fun. I, ju- I just, I don't know of the guy. I mean, Bobby Slowick is one of my guys. I like him a lot. I just don't see him making that move and he's getting uh, offensive coordinator uh, interviews right now with the Texans. So I don't, I don't know that he would take it or leave San Francisco to come to the chargers, but I, I love Slowick. I think he would be a good one. And I think uh Stuckle would be really good as a QB coach too. What about you? Um, I would like to hire two guys off that list. And I think it's a possibility. I would, I would hire Gerard Johnson as the quarterback coach, and I would hire Luke Steckel as the running game coordinator. Really? Just because he's worked with every skill position on the offense. Uh-huh. Um, and I think he could really help out. And another guy that I would consider for the running game coordinator is Thomas Brown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think Slowick, Steckel, Brown, Johnson, I think you take two of those four and fill those spots for sure. I would, I would love it. And no, Slowick is the passing game. Cor- Sorry, just for Obi Wan here. Whoopsie, for Obi Wan here. Slowick is the uh, uh, passing game coordinator, and uh, Stuckel is the tight ends coach. So it would, it would not be as lateral. But um, yeah, and and part of that reason is if Kellen Moore's gone and they won a couple playoff games and Staley's still here, you've got a guy learning under Kellen Moore. Uh, you've got one of these bright young minds that we had talked about that's kind of moving up the ranks anyway, uh, or probably a year or two away before starting to get offensive coordinator interviews. And if he's learning under Kellen Moore and they're successful in the playoffs, you've got a guy that you can easily promote within, knows the system, knows the personnel. I think that's a, an awesome succession plan if and probably when Kellen Moore gets a head coaching job or starts moving off the Chargers. Because of his success, obviously. Can you grab that Derwin question? Uh, did you see it? Uh, yes, yeah, Sean from Sean. Do you guys? I did not see it, but I'll read it now. Do you guys think that Derwin needs to be 
reined in on defense. It seems like when he was out near the end of the year, the other guys understood their assignments, played better and faster. That's yeah, we talked about that. We've talked about that at length. And I think it's less it's less about reining in Derwin and it's more about reining in Staley, to be honest with you. I think they need to simplify things for Derwin um, and keep things simple for everybody. Because I think and they do it with Justin. They've been doing it with Justin on offense. I think the tendency with Derwin is, oh, he's the eraser. He'll fix everything. So just throw we'll have him rush the passer. We'll have him play linebacker. We'll have him play dime linebacker. We'll have him play slot. We'll have him play single high. We'll have him play too high. You know, um, they move him all over the place. And I think they're just asking too much of him. And one thing they absolutely need to do is they need to find one or two guys who can play deep and have him play closer to the line of scrimmage. I don't think Derwin is any help to this offense playing single high or too high at all on defense. Yeah, excuse me. Um, I think he needs to be closer to the line of scrimmage. And I think you might need to consider having him play a lot more linebacker and maybe a little bit of slot at times, depending on the matchups, so he can line up with against tight ends. He's, from a coverage standpoint, he's much better in man when he can get his hands on people. I just don't think he's anywhere near as instinctive when he's playing off the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked about it when you've got a guy like Derwin playing almost every bless you, almost every uh, position on the field. Uh, everybody's got it, got different uh, keys that they got to change within every single play. If you've got one player, once Derwin was out, everybody had their own position to worry about. Everybody had their own keys to worry about. Uh, not having to worry whether Derwin's playing linebacker now or slot or free safety or strong safety or blitzing off the edge. You know, everybody had their one role and it kind of simplified things because everybody had their own individual job, not having to switch it up uh, within every play. So I look, I, I think it, it's about, we talked about simplifying this defense. It was much simpler when they were on that win streak when Derwin is out because everybody had their sing, they were singularly focused. Um, and so, you know, I, I just think they're going to have to simplify it, and they're absolutely going to have to find somebody on the back end. The mix they had going on throughout the year just was not working between Nas and Gilman and everybody else. JT Woods wasn't really ready yet. We'll see how he progresses, but yeah. So um, anything else? Man, we're almost an hour just strictly on Kellen Moore. Beautiful. <laughs> anything else you want to add before we uh, – we wrap this thing up because I think we, we touched on more than enough here. I think we really hit on everything. I think the Chargers made a really promising hire here. I think if they stay out of his way and let more do his thing, I think the mm -hmm. offense is going to be much better. We're going to see more splash plays. I think the running game will hopefully be more effective. And I think we'll see more of Justin Herbert running in key situations. And I think all these things are going to help this offense be so much more efficient and explosive for that matter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna see. Uh, we should be seeing a much better red zone team, like we mentioned. Getting Herbert on the run, we're gonna see a lot of fun wrinkles with these tight ends. Eckler's gonna obviously uh, evolve in this offense in the way in which he uses running backs. His high-low concepts, mid to deep part of the field, are excellent. Um, there at the pre-snap motion, more of that's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh, this is this is gonna be fun to watch, and hopefully, all the Issues that he had in Dallas are all cleared up when he got uh, full control of this offense. And I think the Chargers will. So we appreciate you guys tuning in. 
Thank you so much. Uh, don't forget, uh, at the end of this month, we're going to be off Bolts from the Blue. So follow us uh, over at uh, Lightning Round. Join the Patreon. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we'll be giving you more news on the podcast feed and all that other stuff. But we're in our Discord on the Patreon, so make sure to join us over there. Uh, subscribe, and we love all of you. Thank you so much for joining us. And we will see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Love you. Enjoyed it. Hope you had fun. Cheers. <laughs>